When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for joining us for this week's Tribe Supper. I'm, as ever, joined by Anthony Vickers and Phil Talentire, and we're looking ahead to the visit of MK Dons on Saturday. The first visit to the Riverside for MK Dons, or is it? I'm sure I'm going to spark a heated debate now between Vic and Phil. Phil did a column on, on uh, the, the criticism of MK Dons this week and whether it's fair. So if we start with that, is it fair, Phil, the criticism that's, that's levelled at MK Dons for, for how they came about as a football club, I guess. I think it is. It's it's, it's absolutely fair. I think I think it's still one of the greatest. I don't know if you want to call it a miscarriage of justice, but one of the most shameful episodes in English football history of the, of, of of recent times. Um, I think I think you can separate that from the team itself as they stand today, or certainly the the, the personnel. I think Karen Robinson's done a terrific job there, and you know should be applauded for such and. You know, players are going to go and play for them. They, 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 you know, they, they're not not many players are in a position to take an ethical stance and not play for MK Dons. And to a younger generation of players, they'll just be another club. Mm. You know, you know, if you're 20 years old, you probably barely barely remember that the, the the fuss around the creation of the MK Dons. Uh, I mean, myself and Vic have had many arguments about whether or not it's 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 a new club. I mean, in 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 all to all intents and purposes, it is a new club. Of course, it is. It's you know the the um, they're only Wimbledon in so much as they used the they used the carcass of that club or they bought that club when they were struggling they were in administration uh, and they saw an opportunity they had an empty state or they were building a, they were planning to build a stadium you know sixty miles away um, north of north of Wimbledon and they needed a resident club and they weren't prepared to, to to go the proper channels which would have been to invest in a local non league team support them through the pyramid and then. When the stadium was open, move them in. So um, you know, it, it you know the whole the whole situation around their creation you know stung to high heaven. But I think we can still look forward to the game and enjoy playing MK Dons for the first time. Well, for me, it's a football theological debate. It's the equivalent of medieval scholars arguing about how many angels can dance on a pinhead. <laughs> uh, and I think it's of interest, really, only to uh, football intellectuals. And we will, we will argue with this all the time I mean Phil says it's Wimbledon and I say it's not Wimbledon it's a completely new club because the the ethos of Wimbledon the history of Wimbledon the culture of Wimbledon and the trophies that they won are all based at AFC Wimbledon mm. that is the club that was Wimbledon what happened was a devious hostile management takeover which happens in every other industry and uh, basically they inveigled their way in and they took the football league share that's all that's the only connection is that this consortium bought a legal device an entry card to get in there's no connection with them whatsoever and uh, as far as i'm concerned it's a it's a brand new i mean i agree with everything phil said about the background of the devious nature of getting into the football league buying a a, a shortcut to a, a division where they weren't entitled to be but I don't see any any entity uh, about this new club that has any connection with Wimbledon. It's not like Rangers, where there's a different a different argument goes on as to whether it's a new club or an old club. 
but everyone still accepts the continuity, and that's a legal issue. Uh, I think as far as this is, you know, the, the, as far as we're concerned here, the, there's no no legal squabble. It's just whether or not you recognise the right of of MK Dons to exist, and the, the fact is that there are fans there now uh, who've been going there for ten years who wouldn't recognise this argument, and I don't think most MK Dons fans would argue that they're Wimbledon. Yeah, I think. I mean, I mean, it, 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 like Vic says, it's a pedantic argument. I mean, if you follow the line of the gene pool, it traces back to Wimbledon Football Club, the old Wimbledon Football. Club. That's the only link. Mm. Is that, as Vic says, they, they, they use the football league. Yeah, I mean, the, as we were talking about earlier, Wimbledon played. Oh, sorry, MK Dons played as Wimbledon Football Club in the first season in Milton Keynes. Yeah. And the old, old national may, maybe it would have been better if, if they hadn't done that and they yeah. just had a clean break and called themselves Milton T- Milton King uh, Town from, from FC. day one. Yeah. Milton Keynes FC, yeah. exactly. Yeah. 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 We, were just trying, we were just trying to pay, pay yeah. over the cracks uh, by pretending that there was a connection. There's clearly mm. no connection. I mean, I suppose if you want to be again, it's a pedantic, a pedantic argument. But Middlesbrough Football Club, as they stand now, aren't the Middlesbrough Football Club? That existed before 1986. Well, I would say that they are. Well, they are. In, but in, the, in they were legal terms. Yeah, they were. Business. They were. But every, everything that that makes a football club. Yeah, I, I, that's is a contained. Point, that's a point. Of, and there's a continuity. That's there, what I'm pointing. Which is why this is different from MK. Yeah, Dons, and it's the community aspect, have, isn't it? And yeah, it doesn't it's have that the town. The point I was going to make was that yeah, you could you could make that you know in a court of law make that legal argument. Yes, in 1986 when Middlesbrough were liquidated as a business and Middlesbrough 1986 were created under Steve Gibson, it's a different club. But to, to all intents and purposes, it's the same. Emotionally, it's the same club. They use the same fixtures and fittings. We, we embrace that because it was a new start for the same club. This is a completely different issue altogether. And as a fan base, um, just kind of got a taste on Twitter, really, this week with a, with a, with a fan base. They've sold 250 tickets to yeah. come up here, which at a glance you think 250 tickets, but it's not that much less than what um, Bolton would have brought. Yeah, or the, or the Bolton brought <laughs> yeah, up on the first yeah. away game of the season. I think that's natural because they are a new club. They are played at a lower level. Uh, uh, they probably have never got had a culture of travelling. And I think also a lot of their fans might have got stick in mm. the first couple of years when they were travelling. Because, as we know, the, the sins of the father are visited upon the sons. And one of the things that I find strange but quite endearing is that when Saturday comes, still refuse to recognise yeah. them. And when they do their preview every year, they don't ask an MK Don's fan any no questions. No questions asked. Well, when uh, <laughs> I was speaking to the guy at the press officer there, and he was just about for a piece we're doing on kind of ticket prices and stuff, and he was saying that uh, season tickets for under-12s for MK Don's fans are free, which I didn't realise. I mean, obviously, you've got to be there with an adult, and I think there's something on, like, a £6 admin fee. Well, they've got this that's, issue. that's kind of a taster, isn't it? Sorry, but that's a taster of, you know... They realise the need to, to get fans well, it's in not, to it's attract new fans. That, that part of England is rugby union territory. Or, it, you know, Northampton's a rugby union town. You know, rugby's just up the road, I think, mm-hmm. isn't it? Um, Milton Keynes is a new town, had no football history as such. You had a few non-league clubs, none of which were particularly successful. It, you, could, you could either see it as an untapped market, which is what Pete Wingleman clearly did, and hence the reason they built a massive stadium, a bit like Darling, that was far too big for purpose. Um, or you could say that, that fo- that's just not a football area, and that you know 
but the, the, if you were if you were twenty five years old in nineteen ninety nine two thousand whatever it was when we were, uh, sorry, when MK Dons were created sorry I think it was two thousand four wasn't it, when they actually were named um, you you had your, your football ties you probably supported Villa or Man United or Liverpool or Chelsea like any any other or floating Northampton. or Northampton <laughs> like any other floating football fan or, you, or more like not you just weren't that interested so. It's it, it's actually an interesting experiment. They've still got that stadium, and it was going to be used for a World Cup game if England had laughably won their bid to host. Mm-hmm. It, it's Cup. strange because it does hark back to an interesting period of the, when the Premier League had first been set up, and the old Wimbledon were in a very strange situation before they folded, mm. where their own board, Sam Haman, was actively trying to move Wimbledon from the Borough of Merton anyway. So Dublin at one Dublin point. Dublin was mentioned, Cardiff was mentioned. Yeah. So the entire ethos around that club uh, were fans fighting to stay in Wimbledon, even when it was the old yeah. club, because you know the, the ownership there were quite keen on the old franchise notion. Well, and people in the Football League and the Premier League were quite keen to encourage this to see if it worked, because at that time there was a lot of talk about you know the Premier League, whole new ball game. And would there would an American franchise system work here? Mm. And there was talk about taking football. If it did work, why not have a Premier League team in Glasgow? Why not have a Premier League team in Bristol? And it, it, it does hark back to a time when these overtly business decisions were being like played the, out. Like the, the 39th League. game. They were de- desperate to get the 39th game. So a round of matches would be played, uh, one in Bangkok, one in New York... <laughs> One in Melbourne, whatever. The idea was that it just as a, as an ent- I like like to do with the American football. Which is, they're, yeah. they're on about establishing yeah. the London franchise yeah. as we speak. Aren't I think they? the other thing to remember about Wimbledon at the time was as well as their their own ground, Plough Lane, was deemed unfit for use, and they moved into Selhurst Park, and that probably opened the door to what eventually happened. Mm. They, they were outside, <laughs> as Vic says, their own home borough, a bit like if Middlesbrough couldn't weren't able to stay in Middlesbrough when mm. when when following liquidation, they may have had to move in with Darlington or. God forbid, I think it was slightly more cynical than that because I think Sam Haman realised that Wimbledon, as it, as it existed, had a fan base of about 8,000, 10,000, and that wasn't enough to sustain profitability as a Premier League side. That's why he was actively looking for somewhere where they could get bigger crowds. Mm. So he, was, he almost set the ground yeah. for what happened later on. And it's interesting that you know, when he left Wimbledon, he wanted to stay in football, he moved to Cardiff. Yeah. And he took over Cardiff because he realised that Cardiff was an untapped market. And he put a lot of money into Cardiff and he took a lot of money out of Cardiff <laughs> as well. But he saw the potential there of, of being a Premier League setup and a Premier League audience. Away from the right and wrongs of MK Dons off the pitch, Carl Robinson has done a, an excellent job on the pitch. I mean, they were knocking on the door of, of the playoffs and promotion for three or four years, finally got there in dramatic circumstances at the end of last season. And, and they've started well. They lost to Birmingham last time out. Um, they the, the play football, don't they? They like to get the ball down. Will that suit Borough? I mean, a Borough better suited when they play a team who like to get the ball down and play it on the floor? You probably think, yes, because they don't like trying to break down, you know, a nine, ten-man defence, do they? Um, I mean, I've been impressed with what Carl Robinson I think is a good manager. A lot of people thought he would leave the club this summer and, and be poached. I suppose his argument would be, they're going back to what we just talked about, the potential of MK Dons. You know, he's got a supportive chairman. Um, they, he will think that if he can keep MK Dons in the Championship or, or even better take them into the Premier League, 
why why leave? You know, you think you know you can imagine going back to what we're talking about. There's a floating fan base around Milton Keynes where they'll come in their droves to watch Man United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea. Mm. You know, you can you can suddenly see a scenario, can't you, where if if Robinson can get Melke Dons out of the Championship into the Premier League with that hundred million pound guaranteed, their their stadium will be full half half of the season. Not necessarily with their own supporters, but and that that goes back again to the whole sort of argument about somebody seeing a bit of potential. Of course, if they went down again, if those fans would disappear. You saw a little bit of that with Wimbledon playing at Sellers Park. Going back to that. They would have big attendances for the visits of Man United. You know, there'd be more Manchester United fans in Selhurst Park than there would be Wimbledon fans when it was more like a home game mm. for them. Uh, you know, it was a similar scenario with with some of the other London clubs. So um, there's a potential there, and I think if if, Wing, if the owners of, of MK Dons are smart, they'll, they'll they'll back Robinson. I think that's the only way they can go forward as a as a model. And I think they have got a reputation for playing decent football. I think they beat Man United last season, didn't mm. they, funnily enough. They, they didn't, didn't just beat them, did they? They kind of won the cup, yeah, they hammered them. Um, so I, th- I think you can understand why he's bought into that vision. And, you know, if he gets an offer to go to Peterborough or if he gets an offer to go somewhere else in the Championship, you think, is that a wise move? You might get six months and then you're back on your you're out the door. Mm. So unless he gets the offer of a really serious Premier League club, there's probably not a lot of point in moving. I think I was talking to a Bristol City fan uh, before the Bristol City game, and he was talking about how he, he thinks the gulf between the Championship and League One has never been bigger. But then you look at League One teams now, the fair and the often. I mean, Brentford last year, Bristol City, although they hadn't started well, looked a good side, I thought, when they came up here. The, is, is there that much difference certainly between the bottom end of the Championship and the top end of League One? I think if you play football and you step up, you've got a better chance than if you play the Route One stuff and you step up because the limitations of, tactical limitations of certain direct football can be exposed by better defences. And if you rely on that, it's very easy to, come, to fall apart. If you play football, I think you've got more chance of the individuals adapting, especially if you get time to play. Uh, I think uh, Borough will will try to close them down quickly and stop them playing football, and then you might see a gap in quality if they're only getting a fraction of a second on the ball, uh, and then you know you, you can force mistakes. I do think it's a good time to play them. Uh, I don't like playing newly promoted sides in the first couple of weeks because they're buzzing with adrenaline and they come up on a winning habit, and everyone's excited and every game's a big game. Whereas six weeks down the line, maybe they've lost one or two and. The early buzz has gone and reality's starting to kick in. So I think it's, you know, it's a decent time to play them. And I think it's important that Borough get off to a really good start after the international break because they did that last year, uh, coming out of the breaks like a train. And that was the platform for the really good runs in that season. I mean, at this stage last year, I think we came up and won five out of six. No, but his field game was a real turning point, wasn't it, the win there? I think it's important to do that again. The win at Sheffield Wednesday settled a lot of nerves after what had been a jittery couple of weeks off the field rather than on it. I mean, I think it's been, I mean, Woody said it was a bang average start, and I think that's probably a bit harsh because actually, you know, one defeat in six wasn't a bad start. Uh, but I do think it's important to step up a gear now. The team's is complete, you know, I think we had a good window, the, the entire front end has been reshaped, and it's important that. You know, we see that starting to fall into place now. I think it's a massive eight days for Borough mm. for the season. I think it was it was an average start best. I think if you asked Aitor Karanka privately, he would certainly say um, 
you know, I wanted, he made a point of saying, didn't he, I didn't want a repeat of last season's August, and that wasn't quite the case, but it wasn't much better, um, regardless of how the team actually performed, which is more often than not was pretty good. Um, but look, these three games, two at home, and then Forest on the Saturday, isn't it? And so, then two more home games yeah, between I mean, the Cup I mean, game, isn't it? You, you know, you made the point quite right now, Huddersfield, that was a massive win last season, you know, great spirit, the way they came back from a late equaliser, um, massive support for the fans, and... Um, You've got to say that bare minimum for the next three games is seven points. If Borough are to be serious, automatic promotion contenders, which is what they have to be this season, that is the target. That's the that that's the target within the club. That's what we believe they can do. You, Vic's right. The squad's strong, right from front to back, just about. Um, and uh, I, I feel optimistic. Don't get me wrong, but I do think it's all about points on the board now. And. Um, you know, you've got to be beating MK Dons at home. You've got to be beating Brentford at home. We, you know, much over the over the matches last season, it emerged that we were much the better team than Brentford. And I don't <coughs> see, you know, and I think Borough should be even stronger now. They've come backwards, haven't they? You'd yeah. argue. And I know Forest's not the easiest place for Borough to perform, but um, you know, again, Forest are a team. I think yeah, that uh, Middlesbrough on the day can that, that should be. Should be beating. We're going to bust all those hoodoos. I, I think. I think looking at it, Winter Forest, Winter Ipswich. Yeah, yeah. Winter Wolves. Uh, I think it's a chance on paper to make a, a kind of solid start. Yeah. An excellent start. You know, you look at the games and they are pretty kind, aren't they? Um, and I think on the back of the Bristol City game, the fact that there's that glut of home games now, I think it's four of the next five in all competitions. There, there was that kind of concerning sense of deja vu after the Bristol City defeat, wasn't there? The fact that it was similar, so similar to the to a few of the results last last year. Whereas if you win two games at home well in quick succession, that's forgotten about, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Quickly. Yeah. Um, just to touch on, on kind of new players, can we expect to see De Pena? I'm, I'm assured it's pronounced in the next couple of games. Well, we're going to get the man himself to, to pronounce it. Uh, I think well, I'm, the hint is it's De Pena. De Pena. But yeah, I, I think he'd be on the bench. I, I'd, I'd be surprised if he starts... Uh, but you can never second guess Ito. And Igatsi? Well, that's an interesting one. I mean, he hasn't just signed him as a, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a serious keeper, isn't he? He's, he's an experienced keeper. He's not like Mejias, who've never really played much first team football at a high level. Um, I think he signed him to be the first choice, but whether it'll be the first choice this weekend, I'm not so sure. Um, you know, has Dimi done that much wrong so far this season to warrant being dropped? It's superb against Bristol City, so, don't Yeah, so. Um, Karanka is pretty consistent on these things. If the man in possession is doing a job for him, he doesn't just drop them willy-nilly. But I think as the season progresses, I think Igazi will get his chance. That wraps things up nicely. Thanks a lot, Vic. Thanks, okay. Phil. Cheers. Cheers.